0: Disney peak to bottom is down 56%, $209 billion they've lost in market cap. Welcome to Bullish, where we talk about the journey and process to build ourselves and companies into multi-billion dollar people and brands. Currently, my business and investment funds have done tens of millions in revenue, and this is the documentation of the journey to scale to the billion dollar realm, all while we give back and do good in the world. My name is Bridger Pennington, Welcome to Bullish. Boom, people. Welcome back to the show. Today, I want to talk about something that is moving in the world right now that I think is a major threat to society. Something that is, I and frankly, when we started Fun Launch, I was like, yeah, it's cool to launch funds. And now it's, it's kind of gone from I want or it's cool to launch a fund to we need to launch more funds. We actually need more people like me and you that can figure out this game and decentralize and decouple wall street let me throw a few facts at you right now so vanguard state street and blackrock the three if you don't know who these companies are by the way go google them look them up they control pretty much the entire earth (laughs) and let me you might say that's bridget that's a little hyperbole but let me actually walk you through so right here this is actually from the new york times blackrock manages nearly 10 trillion vanguard has 8 trillion state street has 4 trillion their combined 22 trillion dollar in managed assets is the equivalent of more than half of the combined value of all shares for all companies in the S&P 500. About 38 trillion. They are more than half of the S&P 500 of assets controlled. Now, Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street, how those work, they, they launch ETFs and a lot of your and my 401ks or whatever buy into their shares. And what happens is they then go buy, as a spider fund, they go buy positions in all these big Fortune 500 companies. But what happens is they hold such a big position That companies like Disney, companies like Bud Light, companies like Target, that are told from their board or largest shareholders, we are trying to push an ESG initiative. Now, before I dive into this, it could be whatever initiative. That's the scary part. It doesn't matter. Right now, you may agree with the initiative. You also might disagree and it could flip-flop in a year or two. And so, for example, I mean Bud Light, they pushed uh, Dylan Mulvaney and they have not apologized since. The CEO said We've pushed this, our customers have hated it, it's killed our sales, but our largest shareholders were telling us to push this because they need to fill whatever their initiative is they have. Target has, has, has pretty much done the same thing, has not apologized, which is kind of crazy. You would think, you know, their market, and actually I pulled up the stats here. I've got the uh, I got the charts right here. So uh, during, let's just go back, so back to April. Um, since then, the Dow Jones, so April till, uh, let's call it yesterday, uh, Dow Jones up 8.9%, okay? So the market in general is up 8.5%, which is pretty good, you know, for just a few months. Uh, Bud Light, during that same time period, down 12.3%. Okay, Target, down 15.9%. And then I'll, I'll throw in Disney there as well. Disney down 8.1% during only a few months, which is pretty significant spread. So uh, that's a miss of for Bud Light of about 22% if they stayed on par with the Dow Jones, it's about a 22% spread from the Dow to them. Uh, Target, that's a 25 and a half, 26% spread. Okay. Now you might say, well, that's whatever it'll, it'll bounce back. But look at this trend. Now, if you back up a little bit from peaked to low Disney, which has been pushing, I think political agendas into their movies. I have a kid and we, we've actually stopped seeing a lot of Disney movies. Because I don't want to take my kid to a Disney movie with, that has a political agenda. I don't care if it's pro guns. I don't care if it's anti guns. I don't care if it's pro LGBTQ or anti or pro abortion, anti abortion. I don't even care what the agenda is. And by the way, it could, whatever your political party is, just imagine the opposite being put into a kid's movie, okay? and regardless i don't even care if i'm pro that political agenda i don't want it in my kids movies i don't want my kids i just want to go to a kid's movie and just have fun and just watch cartoons do crazy funny things that's why you go to a kid's movie okay why are we slipping in all these little things about whatever a political agenda people are pushing i mean imagine you take your kid to a kid's movie and they're pushing a pro trump campaign during the kids movie i'd be kind of mad what if they pushed a pro biden a campaign during kids. I'd be mad as well. I don't care. I don't care what side of the argument you're on. It's just like, and, and again, what's cool is we are seeing this rise of the consumer of retail investors. And actually we did a whole webinar yesterday. We had a thousand people join and we talked about this concept from peak to bottom, Disney, Disney, the conglomerate that owns like the entire world, Disney. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this. Sorry. I'm going to, I'll say this first, this stat, Disney peak to bottom is down 56%. $209 billion they've lost in market cap. Today, they're worth about, I think it's $135, $150 billion, somewhere in that range. $209 billion loss. Target, peak to bottom, has lost 65%. They're more than half as big. Lost $120 billion in market cap. Very interesting. Because the consumers are waking up right now. And actually, you've seen just the last few weeks, BlackRock CEO Larry Fink has kind of turned on ESG and said, well, maybe we shouldn't be doing this anymore. We've been pushing these agendas in all these companies because what is happening, by the way, is if Target doesn't follow through with whatever agenda is being pushed, the CEO of Target, actually, they've come out, I believe Bud Light's CEO, and I'm not not sure I have to pull pull up the interview. I want to make sure I can find it. But they've come out and said, sorry, this is what our largest shareholders are telling us to do this. If we don't push a certain agenda, our largest shareholders are going to sell 13 or 15 or 12% of our stock overnight. They're just going to sell and it'll tank our stock. And so we're stuck between a rock and a hard place where we are pissing off our customers. But also if we don't do this, we're going to immediately lose our larger shareholders. And maybe customers we can always win back, but this larger shareholder, we won't. And anyways, these at least CEOs have decided to err in the favor of the largest shareholder, which is either BlackRock, Vanguard, or State Street, that wants to push a certain agenda in their brand or company or line, which is pretty interesting. Hey, guys, hope you're enjoying the show. Now, as you know, we don't run advertisements on this channel. We just spread this by word of mouth. So if you can, please rate and review the show. If it's benefited your life anyway, please drop that down below. I actually love reading them. I love seeing what people say and share and stuff. So if you guys can, if this show has helped you in any way, shape, or form, please rate and review and share this with a friend or two that may benefit their life. We do this just to help more people understand this game that we're playing. Thank you guys so much, and we'll get back to the show. Now, what's cool though is this rise of what I call the the retail investor, and Wall Street's been talking about this a lot. So, COVID really put this out during COVID. If you guys remember the GameStop or the AMC whole trend, if you guys if you didn't follow that, go. There's a great uh, uh, documentary on Netflix that actually documents the whole GameStop thing. Citadel Securities had taken out a naked short on the market. I think uh, it was like one and a half times all the shares, which is a an illegal in my well. In the SEC's terms, it's illegal naked short, but they never prosecuted. I don't know, anyways, I don't know. But uh, they were shorting more, they were doing synthetic shorts. They were were shorting synthetic shares, shares that were just made up. That's how big of a short position they were on. So the retail investors figured this out and said, let's do a short squeeze on Citadel. If we pump this stock up, they'll eventually have to cover their short and it will explode this market cap. So for about six to eight months, these retail investors, that's why there was so much hype around AMC. If we plow and push this stock up, Citadel will need, they need to, I thing called covering your short. They'll need to cover their short, which says you have to buy back shares. Typically at a lower, you're hoping the stock goes down. So you're buying back shares at a lower price. You have to cover your short because you have to repay back those borrowed shares to take your short out. And so if you prop the stock up, what you do is it's called a short squeeze. It forces, so Citadel, for example, I don't know how, let's just use round numbers, I don't know how big their short position was, but let's just say, I don't know, a multi-billion dollar short. They are paying every month premiums to hold that short open. So they're paying, I don't know, 10 million a month, or 30 million, or 100 million a month, just to keep the option, for to pay the rental fee to borrow those shares. This is what was happening to Michael Burry during the big, you know, the big short, that movie, great movie, Michael Burry took out a a big short on the housing market. And every month he was paying 5 million a month or 7 million or 20 million a month, depending on whatever he was doing. And it was bleeding his fund dry and his investors were yelling at him. Why are we, why are we in this position where we're losing money every single month? We're guaranteeing a loss. And Michael Burry just goes, it's going to, it's going to break. It's going to fall. It's going to break. And, and, uh, anyways, I go on and on about that scene. It's very interesting. Actually, his big investor comes and yells at him, says, you need to sell your shares. And he goes, sorry, I'm not going to sell. He goes, the market's going to fall. And that's what we do. And that's the, one of the most powerful things, by the way, about funds is when you run a fund versus a syndication or other vehicle, a fund allows you, you are the fiduciary over that money. Limited partners have trust you with that capital. Even when they yell at you and scream at you and tell you to get out of your position, you say, sorry, I'm the investment manager. I make the decision and tough kick rocks. Get out of here. That's what Michael Burry did. So get out of here. It's going to, it's going to fall. When you, you know, when an investor gets scared, I'm not selling because I know my position in a syndication or another structure, a big investor comes and says, I got to, I need to, whatever. They can sometimes elbow you around and move you out of a, a position in a fund. You write your and PPM. It's pretty locked up. Now, typically there's a, a clause that they want to pull money out. They can get like a 50% penalty if they want to pull their money out. But, uh, that's most what most funds do. But typically in a fund, that's why, by the way, most successful people that are good at this game end up in funds is because it's so juicy and good. Anyways, I digress. So back to this concept of the rise of retail investors. We had this with the short squeeze on AMC. But then what happened just to wrap that story up, this huge short squeeze. AMC is buying order flow from Robinhood and is one of Robinhood's main investors. And so what happens is Robinhood one day says no more buying on AMC and GameStop. I believe it was it GameStop or AMC, I can't remember. They stopped all buying though. You couldn't buy the the stock. You could only sell. They literally disabled the button, so it forced. <laughs> I mean, the stock was going so high. They were so worried that they were going to get a short squeeze that they stopped all buys and said you could only sell. And so what it did it like artificially forced the stock to sell, and uh, and then over time it uh, it came back down. And anyways. Um, I don't know. We don't know exactly when Citadel exited their position, but they had a really good year last year. So it looks like Citadel ended up winning. And uh, it, I mean, you look at this case and it's just like, man, the rise of retail investors. Though. Let me pull up this chart. Um, in 2010, about 10% of U.S. equity trading volume was retail investors, about 10% during COVID. So it, it got up 2014. It was about 14%. 2019, it was still around 14%. 2020 COVID hits it jumped to 20%. Then it jumped even 2021, it jumped up to 24%, which is pretty significant. Now, since then, it's come back down, it's floating right around 20%, which is massive though. All of a sudden, Wall Street is waking up to, wow, we have to appease, we have retail investors buying and selling shares, a a decent amount of, of equities. And so we now need to cater to them. Now, we can take that a step further is when we help people launch funds, it has, the ability of people like me and you, the only way that we're going to be able to beat these Wall Street conglomerates that are globbling up every single industry. Right now, um, I, I can pull up a few charts for you. We did this on our webinar yesterday. Uh, the, you know there's only like four, maybe five large media companies that own every single TV station channel that you watch, me and you watch? I mean, for example, Disney owns ABC, ESPN, A&E, Hulu, Pixar, uh, Comcast owns CNBC, Universal, Bravo, oxygen. Um, I mean, you can go on and on all these brands. Time Warner owns CNN, TNT, CBS, cartoon network, uh, time HBO. They're all owned by one company. I don't think people realize this. Uh, and, and by the way, Disney bought 21st century Fox, which is Fox, Fox news, national Green, national geographic FX, uh, more, a bigger stake in Hulu. I mean, they're all owned by one company. And if they, and then by the way, that company, their largest shareholders are one of these three companies. So if, again, if they wanted to push a pro-gun agenda or a, I don't know, abortion agenda or anti, whatever the agenda is that you don't agree with, could they? Now, I'm not saying they would, but could they? Maybe, right? And are they doing it? They kind of are. I mean, you look at these industries right now, though, food industry, you look at, um, uh, Nestle, PepsiCo, Coca-Cola, Unilever own pretty much every brand you see in a shopping market. Like you go to Walmart, they're owned by about five to six companies, every single brand on the shelves. The auto industry is so rolled up. Did you guys know Maserati, Alfa Romeo, Lancia, Fiat, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Chrysler are all owned by FCA. You guys know that y'all, y'all know that Volkswagen owns Lamborghini, Porsche, Bentley, Bugatti, Skoda, C and Audi are all owned by the same company. So if you're like, Oh man, I I hate Audi. I'm going to go buy a Porsche. Guess what? You just bought from the same company or you're buying a Lamborghini or a Bentley or a Bugatti. They're all the same company that owns them. GM owns Chevy, Holden, Vauxhall, Cadillac, Opel, GMC, Wooling Motors, Baojun and Buick all owned by the same company. So it's just interesting, this consolidation of markets that is continuing to happen is, and the reason they're doing it, by the way, is, is that's really the, only, some, sometimes the only way to scale when you're a big company is you just go do M&A activity. You go buy up these companies. The reason they have so much power is because they've used a fund to build that much power. They've used this vehicle. I mean, we can go out and protest and be mad about it, but honestly, what we need to do is beat them at their own game. That's why I'm so adamant that people, regular people like me and you need to learn about funds, how funds are built, how their work, how to put one together. Because if we, instead of having three mega funds, if we had 10,000 funds that were ran by me and you, all of a sudden you're back to a competitive market. We can bid against each other and, and we, it's not a monopoly. What I don't like is a monopoly, which is anti-capitalism. It's anti, anti-America, in my opinion, to have monopolies that can control from the state sector. And right now it's a very sneaky way they've done this. Because it's not, it's kind of indirect control of what they've done through all these businesses. It's hard to say, well, you know, it's, it is is a monopoly, but it's not a monopoly. They have a big shareholder. They have a big, you know, big weight and pull on these companies. Because it's not, but it is. And uh, I think the way you need to beat it is by us decentralizing the capital that's all in these three big companies. Vanguard, BlackRock, and State Street that are only getting bigger and bigger. Hey, hey, what's going on people? Hope you're enjoying the show. This is Bridger Pennington here. So if you've liked the show so far, if you're more of a visual learner, we actually post almost all of these to YouTube. So if you go look me up, Bridger Pennington on YouTube, we're there we actually have a ton of different content on funds and different business structure and strategy, stuff that we kind of don't touch on on the podcast, but are more visual based stuff. So if you're a visual learner, go to YouTube and go check me out, Bridger Pennington on YouTube. With that, we'll get back to the show. Thanks guys. Uh, CNBC, let me pull up this quote here. Um, now, oh, well, this is actually crazy too, but real quick, an uh, analyst published in Boston university law review estimated that the big three, so Vanguard state street and BlackRock could control as much as 40% of shareholder votes in the S and P 500 within two decades. Cause they aren't, they aren't just stopped. They are growing every single day. 40% of shareholder votes in the S and P 500 in the next few decades. That's pretty interesting. Now you might be saying, well, that's just equities. That doesn't matter. I, maybe I'm in real estate. No, it does matter. Cause guess what? One in seven homes last year were purchased by wall street. One in seven, uh, right here. This is from CNBC. Uh, institutional investors may control 40% of us single family rental homes by 2030, 40%. That's pretty wild. I was speaking at an event last week. It was funny. I was with all these real estate investors were in this room and we're talking and and uh, we're talking about funds and and i said who in this room real estate people you guys were looking at a deal maybe gonna do a deal last year and uh and someone outbid you and you you said that guy's an idiot they're gonna lose money on that deal anybody ever done that before they, they overpaid for that they don't know what they're doing i have my pro form i know what i'm doing and the whole room raised their hand i was like yeah we've all done that like oh what an idiot they overpaid for that they don't know what they're doing whatever and i go maybe they're not playing the same game as me and you And everyone's ears kind of perked up. Like, what do you mean? I said, maybe they did make a good deal. I said, for example, like me and you, we do our little syndications. We put our pro forma together. We make sure, and we have a certain amount that we can pay for a property where it makes sense for us at pencils. But I say, what if someone has a big fund and you're paying six and a half percent for capital, for debt, from the bank, but they're paying five and a half because funds are repeat customers at banks. They typically get better debt than you, huh? Do you think they can bid higher or lower? than you're probably a little bit higher because their cost of capital is lower. Interesting. I said, they're not playing the same game you and me are. Maybe they are making money on this deal and so they can just outbid you because they have better debt. Or they can overcapitalize a deal. I said, also, a lot of these funds are grouping single-family houses together and they can sell them for a higher multiple. They can pull them together for, you know, $200 million group of single-family houses and sell them. For a higher multiple than what they purchased for. This is this what's called a roll-up strategy. I was talking to a guy just a few days ago. He does, he does a car washes, like Wiggy Wash, Misters. He was telling me that when they buy them, they can't currently like a one or two or three, they sell for like a seven, eight X multiple. But when you group together at least 50, they sell for a they go from seven or 8%, eight percent, eight X multiple to a 25 to 30x multiple. Wild. Just because you group them together. And I was like, huh? And he goes, so people will come and overpay for these, for these, because they don't care. Because they know if they pay for a, they pay 11X, if they group enough of them together, they can turn around and sell them for a 25X. Same thing's true with single family real estate. One in seven homes last year were purchased by Wall Street. You might say, oh, they're too high. The market's too high, whatever. Or maybe they're playing a different game than me and you. And maybe in a couple years, we won't even have a chance to buy a, a house and own a house. Because it's going to be controlled by institutional investors. The World Economic Forum has come out and said, by 2030, you will own nothing and you will be happy. That's pretty wild. You know, you will own nothing and you will be happy. They want to control all assets. And you'll just rent. And you'll be happy about it, apparently. I don't know how happy I'll be about that, but that's what they're doing. This is happening in every single industry right now. It's already happened in the auto industry. It's already happened in the food production it's already happening in the accounting industry, there's the big four accounting firms, there's the big five TV networks, there's the big two chicken manufacturers because they've gone out and bought everything else. Uh, industries right now starting to consolidate. Car washes, Amazon sellers, dentists, food franchises, chiropractic, real estate, social media accounts are all starting to be consolidated. Now the whole reason for this conversation is we need more people like me and you to learn and launch funds. Now as you guys may or may not know, I've, I've ran three funds. We're in a company called Fund Launch. We've helped uh, We helped 130 people last year launch funds out of just our top group black card. We have 60,000 students around the world and members in our community. We are building this. It's not just me. It's us. Like we need to do this. Bridger Pennington or Lincoln, whoever's on here cannot do this alone. It is our mission. It's not just Bridgers. I had a guy come at Bridger. It's so cool. The group you've built is what he said. And I said, I told him, I was like, no, this isn't my group. This is our group. This is our community. You have it just as much as I do. This community of the Wall Street rebel, the insider community is, is us. And as you guys probably have heard, we, we just moved all of our communities to Discord. If you guys want to come join us on Discord, it's called Wall Street Rebel Insider. It's an amazing Discord. Come check us out. But it's an amazing community where we, us, the people, are building funds to decentralize and democratize Wall Street. And if we don't do this, the contrary, if we don't move on this, in a decade or two, it, the whole world, I think, is going to be rolled up and consolidated into a couple of major companies, which is pretty scary. The last thing i'll say is all these influencers that me and you watch alex hormosey grant cardone russell brunson all of them guess what they're doing they're all launching funds and or doing m a activity alex hormosey with acquisition.com that's just a private equity model pace morby if you guys follow pace Morby, he just launched a real estate fund grant cardone i know he does like sales training but in his events but really everything flows back to his fund that's what made him a billionaire was his fund russell brunson right now is actively going and acquiring businesses I mean go out uh, Ty Lopez, big guy online, he just launched a fund. I mean all these influencers that talk about you know YouTube ads, whatever, all guess what they're all doing. They're all launching funds to go and buy up businesses, buy up competitors, move money to real estate, whatever their strategy is. They are doing this. It's better to watch and follow what someone's doing than to do what they' are don't do what I'm saying, do what I'm doing. Do what they're doing. They are all moving into funds. Now, right now, if you guys want to learn about funds, uh, again, go to fundlaunch.com. We have a full free course on funds. When you guys join the discord, it's a paid discord. We do that to kick out bots and scammers. But when you join discord, you have access to our capital games playbook course, our first doing your first deal course. We have AI tools and bots. We have a ton of cool stuff to help you get started in the fun game. Our whole goal is to help more people do this. So go to fundlaunch.com. You guys go check it out. Uh, Small plug for fund launch. It's amazing. And again, our goal is to help we, the people, not just Bridger or Lincoln, like we, us, you need to learn this game. If you don't learn this game, your kids, your grandkids may not have a chance in a competitive market. In my opinion, you guys are amazing. I'll see you in the next episode. Peace.